listening to First Church Charlotte. Uh, let's see. Let's read in the book of Matthew, and we will read at chapter number 26, and we will read verse number 26 in the gospel of Matthew. And I am teaching from this subject here today, a song for the storm, a song for the storm. I have preached a, a message before entitled a song for a storm. This is a different message. It's a different idea. It's a different concept. So those of you who thought I was being lazy and not giving you something new, I, I assure you I am being lazy, but I am getting you, giving you something new. Psalms 26, verse number 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, this is my blood for the new co- of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins, but I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you at in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, say that with me, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. A song for the storm before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand, smile real big, say, if you'll say amen, he won't preach long. So Preston had this song he wanted to dedicate to everybody here today, and I didn't want to do this because I'm spiritual, but he isn't as spiritual as I am, and he wanted to do this song. So you want to do the beginning of it? Here we go. Play. Here comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the sun, all you believers. It's all right if you get wet on your way home. It will be okay. You will survive. And Monday will come and we will say, here comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the sun, all you Christians. It's all right. Don't have a fry. If you get wet, you'll look like a sigh. But the sun will be bright. And that is the end of my song. So we have journeyed through the gospel of Mark in the last uh, several months. And it has been a, a quite in-depth, intentional study, and we are at the end of it. And I recently talked this past Wednesday night about how the whole, the whole sequence of the crucifixion of our Lord uh, to the disciples and to the believers, it was as though uh, a giant storm had swept through and destroyed everything, and they really didn't know if there was anything less left to save, and they buried the body of Christ, and uh, they thought perhaps they should just go back to their ordinary lives. You guys know this story. It's a beautiful story. Their faith was in tatters. Their 
theological foundations had been shaken, uh, but after the third day, he came out of the borrowed tomb in which they had laid him. After the storm came the rising of the son of promise and the fulfillment of every prophecy that had been given to the church in prophecy and to the house of Israel in fulfilled prophecy. Uh, every, every word, every testimony, every prophecy, all is fulfilled in him. And when Jesus comes out of that grave, uh, he brings with him victory over death, hell, and the grave. And we have a church today because Christ Jesus was victorious over that which would, would destroy us. We have hope today. We have deliverance from sin today because of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. We celebrate Calvary, but we do not stop the celebration there. We want to continue the celebration to the resurrection day where after much sadness and sorrow, Jesus comes out of that tomb and his disciples begin to see him over the following days and they begin to rejoice and they begin to, to celebrate the victory of what he had done. He told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. And they do this. And on the day of Pentecost, we celebrate this as a, a spirit-filled church. We celebrate this on the day of Pentecost. There came from heaven the sound of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. And the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. Can I have it? Amen in the house. And so that's exciting and we celebrate that. But I want to remind you of something that we often do not spend a lot of time thinking about. Uh, we rush past it in the telling of uh, the story. And that is what is shown to us in verse number 30. After the Passover, after the prophecy, after all of the threats, uh, Jesus leads the disciples in a hymn. Uh, have you ever wondered what hymn you would have sang if you were uh, faced with your own your own uh, persecution, your own judgment, your own Calvary. Uh, have you ever thought about what hymn you would sing? I I am a I am a hymn singer. I'm not I'm not a good singer. That does not stop me. Doesn't bother me at all. I sing louder. If you wince, the more you wince, the louder I sing. And uh, my wife has been wincing for years, and it's got her no relief, not even a little bit. Uh, I love to mix hymns in the middle of my prayer time. I find myself often beginning in prayer and then singing hymns and and these 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 songs come out of me and they they speak a language that is not just the words of the song it's really an unspoken language that is in my soul now as a spirit-filled church we are quite uh, familiar with the, the the truth that Paul taught about how at times he did not know how to pray but he said this the spirit made intercession through him uh, if you go through a dark enough trial there will be days you don't know how to say it, but there is this great moving in your spirit where it is as though you just prostrate your spirit before God and you say, I don't know what to say, but would you speak through me and the spirit makes intercession through you. Uh, 
songs, in my opinion, can oftentimes have a similar effect upon us. We, we don't know exactly what to say. We don't know exactly how to say it. Uh, but we sing a song. We, we sing a song. We sing a song. And I have oftentimes found myself in, in, in trials and struggles just as you have. And I didn't know what to say, but I knew how to sing. And I would sing little songs of reassurance to my to myself, and I didn't know what the future would hold, and I didn't know what suffering I would live, but it was going to be okay, and I would just keep singing. Uh, I am, by personality type, prone to uh, deal with, with extremes of emotion through either laughter or through song. It is just my, it's my personality type. You probably have your own styles of, of dealing with extremes of emotion. I will either sing or I will make jokes. In fact, uh, when I was um, diagnosed with cancer as a 29-year-old young man, uh, my doctor thought I was not taking my diagnosis seriously uh, because I kept making jokes. He would say something and I would respond with, with joking and he decided to stage an intervention with me. And he came in the room where I was sitting and he, he sat down in front of me and he got his, his meanest uh, expression on his face and he said, now Nathan, I want you to uh, accept the fact that you are, uh, you're, uh, you have cancer and I want you, I don't feel like you're taking it seriously. I, I think you're making a game out of it. It's very, very seriously, a very, very serious thing. And I said, Doc, here's my philosophy of life. It's either laugh or cry, baby. It's either laugh or cry. And so as long as I can make a joke about it, I'm going to keep smiles on my face and I'm going to keep laughter in my heart. And since... We have all of our Sunday school kids who normally would be next door. I have a joke for all of our children. All the children look at me. This is a joke for you. It's a storm joke. Are you ready for this? All the, young, all the kids say yes. yes. You can do better than that. Say yes really loud. Yes. That was awesome. So here's your joke. What do hurricanes wear under their raincoat? Thunderwear, obviously. <laughs> it's laugh or cry, honey. It's laugh or cry. Hymns are part of the strength whereby we sing in tough times. You need to learn how to sing in the middle of a storm. Jesus, knowing what is coming, knowing he's going into the, the place of the crushing of the olives, the Gethsemane, that's what it means. His life would be crushed. He would become the focal point of all the sin. He leads them all in a hymn. Don't you wish you could know what hymn he sang? Well, I have good news for you. We actually know the hymn that Jesus sang. You see, you didn't know that, did you? You were thinking maybe he sang Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Nope, that wasn't written until uh, the great Reformation revival uh, in the, the, the uh, say, I think the 17, 1800s. Uh, you might have sang a song that was special to you growing up. Uh, I might have sang a song that was part of my religious inheritance, but we know Jesus sang a set of hymns, a set of psalms known as the the Hallel. And this is a, a very uh, well-known, well-celebrated part of the Passover, Passover feast. This is three 
uh, excuse me, this is a set of psalms that is written as part of the worship of the house of Israel, and it starts at Psalms 113 and continues through Psalms 118. So this is known as the Hallel because this psalm begins in the Hebrew with hallelujah, and so it is called the Hallel, and this hallelujah in Hebrew means praise the Lord, or praise ye the Lord, or uh, praise ye Jehovah, and we translate it in our Bibles as praise the Lord, or praise ye the Lord, and it was written, these Psalms were part of the of the writing of Ezra the scribe, and it is part of the worship of the house of Israel during the Passover, and this Psalm, particularly Psalms 115, was the reformer. Martin Luther's favorite psalm. Some things about Martin Luther you may not have known. First of all, 115 was his favorite psalm. He was also a hymn writer. And and know it or not, Martin Luther was also a tongue talker. In his personal diaries, he speaks um, quite plainly about having spoke in tongues while during his prayer. And so um, if uh, Martin Luther was comfortable with it, you might as well be comfortable with it too. Uh, These are hymns in the scripture that are part of the worship sequence of the Passover. And so when did they sing these hymns? They sang them in the homes before the Passover. They sang 113 and 114 of Psalms. After the Passover supper, they sang 115 through 118. On In the temple on the Passover, during the evening sacrifices on the day of the Passover. They sang these songs again. That would have been at 3 p.m. on the day of the Passover. They would have sang these songs of worship and praise. And then as part of Jewish worship, on the streets of the city of Jerusalem wherever they are at during the Feast of Pentecost at 9 a.m. as part of the sequence of Hebrew worship they would have sang the Hallel. I want you to notice when these are being sung. They are being sung before and after the Passover supper. And so Jesus, having led his disciples in the Passover supper, he ends with singing the Hallel. And so you sing it before, you sing it after. And then at the temple on the day of the Passover, at the time of the evening sacrifice, stay with me, I want you to get this. This is powerful. It is It is beautiful. It shows you the depth of what God did at Calvary. 3 p.m. on the day of the Passover, as the sacrifices are offered, they are singing the Hallel. And finally, at nine o'clock in the morning... On the day of Pentecost, what are they singing? They are singing the Hallel. This is so powerful. So I want to share with you, rather than reading all the Psalms, I simply want to give you the themes of these songs, and then I want to show you when they were sung, not just in the house of Israel, but when they were sung in the story of the founding of the church. You guys ready for this? I'm about to blow your minds. Okay? Okay. 
The first Psalm 113 is about the majesty, the glory, and the condescension of God. What do we say when we say condescension? We know how we use the words. We don't know how that word is used in a theological format. So I'm going to give you a real quick lesson of Bible study. The condescension of the Lord is the fact that he did not stay in heaven, but he came to earth and took on a body in all points like us, yet without sin. So Psalms number one is, or or Psalms 113, the first Psalm of the Hallel, is celebrating the majesty of God and the fact that he did not stay in glory, but he came down to where we are at. Psalms 114 is about the power of God in his deliverance. God is a deliverer. He doesn't leave you where you are. He does not abandon you in your struggle or your storm. But he delivers you from sin. He delivers you from the power of the enemy over you. That's Psalms 114. Psalms 115 is about the futility of the idols of this world and the trustworthiness of God. Psalms 115 is about this. The things that this world counts as God and objects of worship is a waste of their time but you can rely on God. I've come to tell you he is going to be with you he's going to stand with you you can trust in the promises of God. I'm starting to get excited here today. I wish I could preach really good for you. I'm starting to get excited. Psalms 116 is thanksgiving for deliverance from death. Oh, praise God. Why are you coming out of that tomb, Lord Jesus? He is the first evidence that all who call upon his name, who are baptized with him, who are filled with that same spirit that rose up Christ from the dead. If that same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he shall quicken your mortal bodies. Psalms 116 is a celebration. We have been delivered from death. Psalms 117. I'm going to read Psalms 117 to you because this Psalm, oh praise the Lord, this Psalm is what it's all about. We've already talked about these themes of God. Let the theme, of, the theme of Psalm 117 is let all peoples praise the Lord. Verse number one, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Yeah. Y'all forgive me while I get excited here. The theme of Psalms 117 is praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. How many Gentiles do we have in the house here today? This is the hymn that Jesus is singing. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Lord him, all you peoples. For his merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise ye the Lord. And finally, 
Psalms 118 is a song of worship and praise of just how merciful God has been to us. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, once they were rebels, let the house of Aaron say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say uh, his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in my distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. It's better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in princes. All nations surround me. Yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of of the Lord, I will destroy them. What are they singing before they walk the dim roads and paths and the shadowed alleys from Jerusalem, that city that kills the prophets, that city that has made a mockery of the heart of God. In their zeal and passion for the law of God, they miss the heart of God. And that is the tragic lesson of those Pharisees who were so zealous, who slew the prophets of the Lord, that in their zeal for law, they missed the heart of God. And so now the only one who is righteous is going to be called unrighteous. And the only one who is sinless is going to become sin. Because in their zeal for law, they thought law was to tell them this is how you live holy rather than to show them that they can never be holy without God's mercy. And so Jesus became a threat to the very people who loved Moses' law the most. And they thought the lesson of the law was that this is how we are better than other people, this law. And they've missed the purpose of the law, which was to be a schoolmaster, to teach them that no matter how hard you try, you need a covering, you need a sacrifice, you need a washing. And so you have contraindicated, opposed one to another, two different truths. You can see what the church learned from the Moses law, and you can see what the Pharisees learned from the Moses law. The Pharisees learned this is why we're better than other people. And Jesus, in not following this, is a threat to God's holy, righteous, Mosaic people. So let's kill him. In Acts chapter number 15, you see how the church saw the law. When the argument of the Gentiles has come, and Peter 
Peter says before all the council. We cannot put these, these laws, the Mosaic laws, on Gentiles because we ourselves have been crushed by them. Our fathers before us and us, we have been crushed. Read Acts 15. We have been crushed by this law. How can we put it on them? You see, that's the right lesson of the law. That after you've done everything you could, although it is beautiful in effort, you still need a covering. You still need a sacrifice. And that is how Jesus goes out into a place of crushing. And the people who should have celebrated him lead the soldiers to betray him. And the ones who should have said, this is the Son of God, instead are going to be the ones who shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. All the pain when your own rejects you. But this is the story of Calvary. And he sings. And this night, walking into this sorrow, he sings a certain set of truths, psalms, praises, and worship. He's not going to be betrayed by the enemy. He came to his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. So Jesus, if you're going to lead us in a song in the biggest storm of the truth's story, if you're going to lead us in a song before you're betrayed by the people who should who should be crying holy, 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 but instead they are crying crucify him, crucify him. If you have to encourage yourself in the midst of people who you gave everything for and they're the ones who cannot see. If you have to encourage yourself even in a moment like that, what song will you sing? Well, the first song we're going to sing talks about the majesty of God. And the second song we're going to sing is about the power of God in delivering his people. And the third song we're going to sing is that it's so good to trust in God, for he is worthy of your trust. And the idols of this world are all a mockery, but you can count upon the promises of God. And the fourth song we're going to sing is to praise God because death isn't the end. We've been delivered from death. Death is just the end of the beginning and the greatest of yet that which is to come is the story of what happens after death. And the fifth song we're going to sing is to invite all the Gentiles to come into the house. And we're going to invite them to be praisers just like we are praisers. And we're going to invite them to celebrate merciful kindness just as we celebrate merciful kindness. And we're going to tell them all, the Gentiles, that the truth of the Lord endures forever. And then we're going to praise God because his mercy endures forever. How many of you have ever lived through a tough time? You ever lived through a tough time? Uh, Paul's just come through a tough time. I didn't even know this because Paul's not a big announcer of his own troubles, had health challenges, uh, had a... I don't know all the details, but right now he's got multiple broken ribs because his he he his heart stopped. He stopped breathing, and the CPR they did the CPR so strong on him it broke seven of his ribs. And he's here in the house of the Lord today with seven cracked ribs. That's a tough time. 
we love you, Paul. If there's any way we can help you, we want to help you. We're praying for you, and uh, thank God for people like that. How many of you have ever been through a tough time? You know, I, when I was a young man, I used to worry whether or not I was tough. You know, all young men want to prove their manliness, and I did six months of chemotherapy, and I've never desired to prove I was tough ever again. <laughs> you think what you like, I don't care. I am tough enough. About the time you flex, I'm going to say six months of chemotherapy, and your muscle is going to go, ooh, wipe out. <laughs> Some of you guys have served our country. We probably even we even have people in our church that have been through combat tours and the like. Uh, you know what tough times are. Many of you have faced dilemmas in your family. Uh, many of you have gone through great breaks of relationships, and you literally have found yourself at your wit's end. In fact, if you ever get to your wit's end, look for my name carved in the wall because I have several places there where I've carved my name in the wall. Some of you have have been attacked by people who you thought were your friends, and yet you didn't get bitter at God. Some of you have buried your children and yet you didn't get bitter at God. Some of you have seen your parents suffer and suffer, and even now it can be hard for you to to trust that God knows best in these circumstances in our life, and over and over again you lay it on the altar. Some of you have wondered whether or not your families was going to survive tough times you were going through. Some of you have lost homes. Some of you have gathered your children around you and, and told them it was going to be all right. And then once they fell asleep, you sat in their room and wept because you didn't have the right things to say. Some of you have been moved by jobs and careers and relationships. And, and you arrived in a place where you don't have any friends. And, and you don't know any place, buddy, on your, in, in your place of employment. And you feel all alone. And some of you have gone through such wrenching career changes that you didn't really know. How, why didn't you do why, why you just didn't start completely over. But the Lord has brought us all here today as storm survivors. And we have seen tough times one upon another. We have seen tough times in each other's eyes. I've seen some of you guys cry in the altar and I didn't know what was going on, but I knew you were barely making it. I've been barely able to preach at times because I was so broken in my spirit. And you've been barely able to talk at times because you've been so broken in your spirit. And here we all are in the storm and outside the wind's blowing. And in our life, the questions come. But I want to say this to you today. And I want to use Jesus' example as the best example. And I want to say, we're all here anyway. And we all celebrate the Lord's Supper together anyway. And the Lord is called fit to place us in this generation for such a time as this anyway. Oh, I feel the Lord in my spirit right now. And the Lord has knit us together in a spiritual effort anyway. And we all come from so many different backgrounds and histories. And the Lord has chosen to knit us together. And so I want to tell you, since we're all here, let's sing a Hallel together. And let's do it every day of our life. Let's raise ourselves out of our beds in the morning. And let's say, I want to thank God for his mercy today in my life. 
I want us to sing in our spirit. And I don't just mean as a, a song we lead together. I don't just mean in a hymn we sing together. We've got a great, great, great praise team. And I'm so thankful for them. And they work harder probably than any ministry of the church to help us to come into a house of worship and praise. But I don't just mean in the organized praise and worship of this place right now. I mean, I mean in a church culture, a culture of commitment and unity. I mean like this, Psalms 113 and 1, praise you the Lord, praise, O ye servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Uh, That Hallel, that word literally can be interpreted to make a show, to make a boast, to be Uh, One interpretation says clamorously foolish. Isn't it interesting that of the nearly dozen words in the Bible that translate as praise or worship, not one of them means to be both still and silent. So in the southern translation of scripture, that means if you're going to praise God, you need to move or make noise. And if you don't have a boisterous... If you don't have a real boisterous personality, you can just do like I do and shout unto the Lord and wave your hands and maybe get your nerve up and do a little bit of a Pentecostal hop. That is all okay. If you're going to praise God, you need to move or make some noise one way or another. I want that in our church culture. I want this in our church culture, Psalms 115 and 18. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. We will bless the Lord. That's the Hebrew word for barak, which literally means to kneel in adoration. Not every song is about raising our hands and shouting. Some songs are about gathering and reflecting. Come, let us reason together. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. I want that in our church culture. Psalms 116 and 2. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. Hebrew word for call is korah, to call out, to proclaim, to cry unto, even to preach. I want that as part of who we are. Psalms 116 and 17. These are all words taken from the Hillel. I will offer unto thee a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That is a Hebrew word, toda. That is toda, literally, is to create a choir of worshipers with upraised hands. I want that as part of first church culture, to toda, to exalt the Lord with upraised hands. Well, Psalms 117 and 1, oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. This is the Gentile passage. Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. The Hebrew here is Shabbat, which is to address in a loud tone or to speak with the tone of triumph or glory. Amen. Psalms 118 and 1. Oh, give thanks. 
thanks unto the Lord. That is yada. That means literally to worship with extended hands. If you've noticed that we lift our hands a lot here at First Church, I want you to know we didn't just make that up. We're not just doing it because the cool kids are doing it. We're doing it because it's biblical. We lift our hands in the sanctuary and we worship with extended hands, yoda. And also Psalms 118 and 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hebrew there is gil. And it literally, I probably am not pronouncing that just right. It's spelled G-I-Y-L. You try it. <laughs> G-I-Y-L. To spin around under the influence of violent emotion. <laughs> that is rejoicing. That is the Hebrew word for rejoicing. Also, Psalms 118 and 28. Rum, R-U-W-M. Rum. Rum, 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 rum. That is the first church motorcycle ministry. And when they pull into the front out there on their Harley Davidsons, uh, I hope you guys are watching on video if you're not able to be here today. And they go, rum, 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 rum. that is Psalms 118 and 28. Rum. R-U-W-M. Thou art my God and I will praise thee. Thou art my God and I will room thee. I will exalt thee. That is the word for exalt. That is to extol, to lift up, to set on high. Hear me today. The house of Israel was singing the Hallel the same time Jesus was singing the Hallel. But it was two different celebrations. At the temple, they started the Passover singing these passages. But they didn't understand the prophetical depth of it. After the Passover, they sang these passages. They did not understand the prophetical depth of it. And this is what I want you to see. If you forget everything else about the singing of the Hallel, I want you to know, we know what Jesus sang before he went out to his passion, his suffering, his torture, and his death. But I also want you to know that at 3 p.m. in the temple, when sacrifices are made, they are singing the Hallel. What else happened at 3 p.m. on the Passover. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ on the cross said, unto you, Father, I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost at 3 p.m., the ninth hour of the day, while in the house of Mosaic Covenant, they are singing these chapters about God bringing us out, about God saving us from death, about praising him for his everlasting mercy, about inviting the Gentiles in. While he's saying, it is finished. In the temple, they are singing, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. And in the distance comes the cry, it is finished. Yes. And the veil of the temple is rent top to bottom. And we can walk into the holy of holies. 
a song for the storm. But it gets better than that. The third time they sing the Hallel in the Jewish celebration is on the, in the city of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. They sing it at the third hour of the day. So what else happened on the day of Pentecost on the third hour of the day? The day of Pentecost was fully come. They are all in one accord, one place. You guys know the story. Holy Spirit falls. They stumble out worshiping God. People see them and think they're drunk. And Peter begins to preach. Don't y'all say I never preached a good message. Okay, this is a good message. I don't care if you're sitting there tired and want to go home and eat chocolate. This is a good message. On the third hour of the day, what is Peter going to say? He's going to say, give me that microphone. They didn't have a microphone, but you get the idea. And he's going to stand up. And he's going to say, men and brethren, these are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. And while Peter is preaching in the house of Israel, they're singing of the majesty of God. They're singing of the power of God to deliver the house of Israel. They're singing about the trustworthiness of the promises of God. They're singing about how we can be delivered from death. And they're saying, let all people praise the Lord and praise God for his everlasting mercy. They are singing the Hallel while Peter is preaching the day of Pentecost. So this is what I want to say to all of you guys. If you're in a tough time, I have several songs that you should be singing every day. You should sing that God is good. You should sing that he's trustworthy. You should remind yourself he's delivered you from death. You should remind yourself that he's invited all nations into this celebration. And you should remind yourself that his mercy endures forever. And if you can sing those songs, there's no storm that can keep you down. There's no trouble that can break your spirit. There is no suffering that can fill you with pain where you give up. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Let's all stand. Whatever, whatever you are under, I want you to know God is over. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm praying for your people today. I'm praying that this word would be more. Whatever you're under. So, real quick, real quick, just because it's just us and, um, you don't have anything to do today anyway, real quick. So, um, why a serpent? Have you ever thought about that? Why a serpent? Why when the devil was manifest here on earth? Why not a lion? You see, the lion is how he acts. The serpent is how he looks. 
Oh, y'all didn't get that part. I, I'm sorry, but maybe if you get you some hot Krispy Kremes on the way home, um, you'll, you'll enjoy that more. He goeth about as a roaring lion. But when you see him in the garden, he's a serpent. Why a serpent? Here's why. And this understanding with the Krispy Kreme is gone. Okay. This understanding right here. What was his error? He said, I will ascend on high. But when you go against God, you don't ascend on high. You go as low as you can go. service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. 
Come worship with us.